0: Many people believe that meditation is only for those kind of people. My name is Don Culp. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master teacher, meditation coach, and owner of The Zen Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to be talking to The Meditating Doctor. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Zen Room. I am really, really excited today because I'm going to be joined by a guest. Um, I'm going to let her do all of her own introductions, but as you might have been able to tell from the top of the podcast, I do have a doctor on the call today and her name is Sherry. Sherry, I am so excited to have you on this call today.
1: Hi Dawn, happy to be here.
0: I am so excited that we are able to connect. I know we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but here we are and all is well. (laughs) I have been actually wanting to have you on my podcast for a very, very long time. So I'm glad that we were able to get our uh, calendars together and make this happen.
1: Yes, I've been wanting to do this. So I'm excited.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing that I want to kind of lay some foundation here for all of our listeners. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what's your occupation, although I did tip them off because the title is The Meditating Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I am an
1: audiologist, and I am a doctor of hearing and balance as it relates to the ear in terms of balance. Um, and... I am from the heartland of America. I have moved 13 times though. So I always tell people I'm really from the mainland. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I've had an experience of being able to really have a solid sampling of different cultures around the United States, which has allowed me to make decisions and understand the why behind the what behind many people.
0: So, when you say 13 different places, I'll break that down. How many different states?
1: How many different states? Let me think. Um, I think six or seven. Six or seven.
0: So, yeah. coast at all? East Coast, West, West Coast, Midwest. Great. Yeah. Yep. Yep, so you've visited blue states, red states, in between, and what brought you to California?
1: You know, my husband and I are both doctors, and we were in a situation where we could move wherever we wanted to, because we could get jobs wherever we wanted to within the United States, and after doing many tables and Likert scales and trying to figure out where to move, (laughs) which did happen... And one day I said, oh, forget it. Where do you want to move? Just where do you want to move? And he said, either Oregon or Washington, but you don't like the rain, which is true. I don't. And my third option is California. And I said, well, that's my first. And so we flew out here and he interviewed from San Diego to Santa Rosa. We fell in love with the Monterey Bay area and Mm -hmm. we moved here. And the reason why we moved here in California was... Because we very, because we have sampled so much of the United States, we wanted a culture that was, that was supportive of work-life balance. And Mm -hmm. we wanted a culture that was supportive of a healthy lifestyle in terms of, you know, what you eat and exercising and being in a community where people like to do that and want to do that. And we wanted, I wanted to be in an area where the weather was mild, um, Like I said, I'm from the heartland, which means I know what all four seasons mean, which means I hate 75% of them and I wanted to live 100% of my time in the best weather and I wanted to be able to go outside and go near the ocean and do it whenever I wanted. And so that's why I was so pulled to California.
0: Well, and you know what's what's interesting too is I remember um, you and I first met uh, at the yoga studio, and mm-hmm, yeah. um, I was actually teaching meditation at the yoga studio and I think I had asked you at some point because I had kind of known we were chatting in the lobby uh, you know quite a bit, and I had asked you what do what you've been to six different states, lived in thirteen different places, what do other people think about? the word meditation everywhere else in the world. And I I know that you can't speak for everybody, but, you know, do they all think that we're granola and sunshine over here in California? (laughs) Well, like you said,
1: I can't talk about other people, but I can tell you what I thought. And my schema of meditation, get ready to laugh, Dawn. Um, (laughs) I, I am being honest. I thought that meditating meant... That you sat on a wooden floor, cross-legged, okay. cross-legged with your hands like out and like in a circle, right? Right, right. And you wore earth tone colors, okay? <laughs> and you were in a big room with other people who were also meditating. And I thought that there were windows all around you and you were in nature and that you thought about nothing, Okay, and that, that is what meditation was. And the other thing I thought was that people who meditated lived very extreme lifestyles. That yes. they were monks or they were people like the book Eat Pray Love where she got rid of everything and she right. she just lived this one way and sat in the room all day and learned how to think about nothing. And um that's what I thought meditation was. And so I thought that would never be something I would do. Maybe a trip someday. If I ever want to go to India, which I didn't want to, I, I never thought I, that would be a me thing.
0: Right. So when you moved out here to California and mm-hmm. you noticed that there was meditation on the yoga calendar, you decided to try it.
1: No, that's not what happened,
0: actually. <gasps> you did not? You did not. There's a different <laughs> story, Don. Okay, okay, tell me, tell me. So
1: I was interested in... um hypnotherapy or, or something kind of unique. And I found your, the Zen room online and I went to the calendar and I quickly realized I couldn't attend any of the classes because they were at times when I was working. And so I said, well, I guess that's not something I can do. And I kind of walked away from it, but I don't know how many times I felt back to go to that the Zen room website. And every time I looked at the calendar and I couldn't make the classes, And so I kind of ignored it. And so when I went to the yoga studio, we I went on kind of a dare with a friend that we didn't think either one of us could stand in a room in 110 degree heat for an hour. (laughs) So we did it and I ended up really liking it. She didn't like it, but I loved it. And so I stumbled upon your class. It was like after a class I was taking and I said, oh, my gosh, like this is perfect. And then I later connected that you were the owner of the Zen room. Oh, well, I don't think I knew that little
0: tidbit. Yeah. That's
1: pretty cool. I think that the universe kind of was drawing me to the Zen room, but it wasn't the right time or or something. And I think that uh, the yoga studio was what led me to even be able to have the experience, really, because it was at a time that I
0: could attend. Yep. Okay. So now that, okay, you, you went, you tried your first meditation um, in the yoga studio How hard was it? Be honest. You know, I fell asleep like
1: many of us do when we first meditate. And I remember talking to you about it and you said, well, that happens to many people. So I felt better about that. And I felt like I could be successful at meditation and that it wasn't going to be something that I would just never be able to do. And so, because you said a lot of people do that, I was like, okay, I could try this again. And so, Later on, like a matter of weeks later, I had had a very intense conversation with someone that was very frustrating. And I went to yoga and then I ended up staying for the meditation class. And I remember having a very intense energetic release that kind of let me release all of that negative energy that I built up from that negative
0: conversation I had had. And I, how did that, how did that release feel just for people who have never, who have no idea what you're talking about? Um, imagine yourself being in a lot of like
1: physical pain and then they give you medication and then like everything feels better immediately. That's how an energetic release is for me. And that's how it felt. And that was when I was hooked. I'm like, wow, like that was amazing. That's exactly what I needed. And I need more of this in my life.
0: So then um, you actually, I I know that you were pretty regular at the yoga studio when I was doing regular cameos over there, Um, but then you actually started coming to the Zen room. Yeah.
1: I ended up finding out that you do one-on-one with people and we could arrange a time that worked for both of us. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can do this. And that's how it started. Yeah.
0: So if you can say if you can remember because you and I have been working together for years now mm-hmm. um if you can say um before I started meditating this was a this discomfort or this uncomfortable aspect of my life was a normal part of sherry that over the years has dissipated t- dramatically what would those parts of you be I think
1: the first thing I thought of when you asked that question is feeling very ungrounded or anxious, um, anxious, okay. Anxious and being worried about potential, uh,
0: the future. I think I was always worried about the future. Okay. So that is going to um, definitely resonate with 85% of the people listening to this. So anxiety is a prevalent thing. I I see it all the time in people who are coming to see me. Brand new people are calling me up. Anxiety is a very real thing that I think it's also a Silicon Valley thing. People are just running in a rat race all the time, but it's certainly not limited to Silicon Valley. Um, so how is it that your constantly obsessing about or worried about the future as well as anxiety. Where is that today versus where it, where was it when you first started to come and see me? Well, I would
1: say the idea of being ungrounded or feeling anxious was my constant. And I remember that I had that great meditation release the second time, and then I went to you, and then I had to learn about this concept of grounding, and you always ground before meditation, and it's interesting mm-hmm. because in my profession, I test baby's hearing where you put electrodes on, and you always put an, a grounding electrode on a baby before you do a hearing test, And because you're comparing one thing to another, and it's a safety thing, and same with a cochlear implant surgery. You put a grounding electrode. Um, and even when I do a a balance test, I have to sit in a chair that has materials that are grounding and they're not conductors of electricity, because if I don't, the entire, all the equipment will turn off and I can't do the test. So that's exactly how meditation works is you have to ground first. And that was a very, very hard thing for me to do. That was the hardest thing for me to learn to do and to like to do. Because I was so used to being anxious and stressed out, that I didn't know what grounding was. And it was so unfamiliar that I didn't like it. And so um, for me, I can recognize when I'm stressed out and anxious and I don't like that feeling. And so I want to go back to a space of being grounded.
0: And I wouldn't be like that without meditation. That what you just said, and, and there's so many correlations between the work that you do and the week the work that I do. It, it's it's almost uncanny. So mm-hmm. when um when you think about you know houses that are built, I think it was after 1962. It might have been a little bit later. All houses need to be grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not an appliance in your house that doesn't have a grounding wire. And when I sometimes I'll have an electrician in in the meditation room, and I'll say, can you? electrician, can you educate all of us the importance of the green grounding wire? And he says, yeah, of course. And he'll rattle off a list of four benefits, but one of them being because you need a place for the excess energy to go. So if there's a surge that you don't implode. And I said, the same is true for people. Mm -hmm. We are energy beings. People sometimes forget that we are energy beings. We have, you know, all you have to do, they have an EEG and an EKG so that they can measure your, um, the frequency or for maybe a more scientific term would be the vibration of your heart or the electrical impulse of your heart. And your brain is the same. So we are electricity through and through. So if we are running around without this aspect of being grounded, our own energy being grounded, we're going to feel like some of that energy is just ping-ponging off of us like crazy, and it is going to make us feel anxious. Exactly. And I,
1: the interesting thing about me is I didn't know anything else, so I thought that was normal. And when you have the difference of grounded versus being ungrounded, you realize how big of a difference it is. And yet people with my personality profile, which is type A, perfectionistic, want to do things well and right is both an element of being that helps me be very successful, but it also brings a lot of demons because you are always critiquing yourself, but it can mm-hmm. make you very ungrounded. And I think that I'm actually more successful being grounded because I'm able to very clearly what, see what I want to focus on, what I don't want to focus on. And I'm able to recognize right. when I'm doing too much well, I need to slow down. And so, you know, what I thought was driving me and helping me was actually hindering me. And I needed to I do the I actually remember
0: you saying that. I remember you saying to me um, in one of our very early, early sessions, I don't want you to take the thing that makes me successful away. Yeah, I do remember me- that. Yep. You were, you were nervous that if I, you know, sent you into, you know, some kind of ohm meditation, you know, Buddha land, that all of a sudden you would just lay on the couch and not be motivated. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I promise I won't do that to you. <laughs> I'm going to make you a sloth. I'm just going to give all of that excess energy a place to go so that the energy that you do have is much more focused. Right. And much more. Yes. Well, it's kind exactly. of like
1: if you have a junk drawer and you have all this stuff and when you have a junk drawer that's totally unorganized, you can never find anything, and you end up buying things over that's and over right. and over again. But if you take the time yep. to de-junk it, throw in stuff you never use, put in an organizer that has slots, and you have <laughs> what you need, then you use those things more, and you know what's in there, and you don't buy things over and over again. And it's more, yep. much more efficient. It's more efficient, but it's also it it is a tool for you instead of this. Massive nightmare, yep.
0: you know. Yep. no, nope. I totally. totally but I had to, to completely get. But it. this
1: is a concept I had to learn over a long time, because you think that me being anxious, me being worried, is what makes me successful, and that's not what makes me successful. It was right. That is what deters me actually, but it's just yeah. you're, you have the wrong vision of what is helping you and what's not.
0: Well, and all you, all you know is what you know. Right. Right. And I, so if you've spent your first 35, whatever years being anxious and sort of being very clever in figuring out how to make that work for you, then all of a sudden someone shows you another way and you're like, wait, 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 wait. I don't know about this grounding stuff. Right. And
1: then (laughs) as far as the future thing, being worried about the future, that's clearly tied to things, you know, being anxious and being ungrounded, but, I think at some point I realized like you can't really control the future. You can make decisions that you make and you can follow your intuition and you can live intentionally and you can try to plan for the future, but you can't create it and you can't be worried about something that
0: you have no control over. Well, I, I, and I hear you say the word intuition. That's, One of my very favorite, favorite, favorite words ever is um, what I have found and what I teach and guide is when you get still, when your meditation is in that beautiful, you're quiet, you're grounded, and you're in a full receptive mode, all of a sudden, there's this other aspect that doesn't get very much uh, airtime, which is that still small voice inside of you, that intuition.
1: No, you're exactly right. And if I look back on the whole Zen room experience, that intuition was telling me, you need to go there. You need to go there. And I was interested enough to go to the website, but it just didn't work out. But I was interested enough and that was that little prompting. But like you said, as you get to know your intuition and as you work with your intuition and as you rely on your intuition and learn the language of your intuition, it gets much stronger. And I equate it to... Comparing a beginner piano player versus a concert pianist, what they can do, what songs they can play, where they can play is very different. And it's like that with your intuition. One million percent. You know, and you can turn up the volume on it
0: or turn it down. And I still
1: have times when
0: I'm closer to my intuition and when I'm not. Yeah. Well, all it takes is, you know a little something to rock your boat next thing you know here comes your inner critic but it's, it's like with anything the more you practice the better it gets and yeah. even now when i find myself not sitting straight center in my intuitive self when i start to veer off a little bit it's for a shorter period of time i catch it quicker and what are you going to do? It's not a big deal. Oh, that was so my inner child speaking there. Or, oh, that was such my egos talking there. And it gets clearer and clearer all the time. And that's where, you know, we just need to give ourselves a break and say, but we're doing, you know, we're doing the time. We're, we're meditating regularly. And it's important enough to put in the practice or put in the hours to meditate. Right. And I think the other thing that I had a simulate
1: of my schema is that meditation always takes an hour or meditation always takes a half an hour. And I learned very quickly that meditation can take two minutes or 30 seconds. And you can get an intense amount of benefit from that by meditating for a very short period of time. And the way I figured that out is by listening to the Zen room TV on YouTube, where you had like some grounding meditations that I would listen to at night. And I realized one day this meditation isn't very long and look what benefit I get from it. And that really drove me to meditate more because I realized I don't have to put nearly as much time as I thought into something where to get a great amount of benefit. Yet that being said, going to classes with you or doing one-on-ones with you or spending more time meditating you know, I've, I've been able to master it much better. And, and,
0: and and so it's,
1: I'm not saying that you don't need any time to meditate. You do, but just understand that even if you give two minutes, five minutes a day to meditation, your life is going to change significantly. One million percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. Now here's a question. So you used to think that you had to be on a wooden floor, surrounded by windows and wearing some certain outfit and taking a vow of silence. And you had this whole idea. Um, for all of the people out there who are trying to wrap their head around, okay, first of all, it is becoming much more mainstream. Like look around, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I think people are getting used to the idea that it's not a weird woo-woo thing after all. Um, but Mm -hmm. what would you say to them if they've tried it three or four times and they say it's hard? Right. Um. Would you say well you know how well, hard was first well
1: here's what I would say actually I would say first of all you kind of have to have what I call a meditative fit I cannot tell you that if I had every way to meditate maybe it was through going to this person or using this app or going to this event or this retreat that I would find that meditation gave value to my life for me. I felt very directed to go to the Zen room to learn how to meditate. And I think it was because Don, you and I come from, you know, a business corporate yeah. understanding background and we connect on a different way where, when we talk about meditation and these things that we have a mutual understanding. And so people who struggle with meditation, I wonder, first of all, is how you're meditating a good fit for you and, you might need to change how you're meditating or who you're meditating with because it might be a meditative style issue. And so that, but also understanding that meditation isn't something that is this great experience. The first time you do it, sometimes it takes multiple times to try and to do it. And yep. um, you have to give yourself that time to do it. And there's a reason why it's mainstream Things that go mainstream are either a fad or they happen because, or they stay on because it works. And meditation is not a fad, it's something that people are finding value from, and it's because it works. And so you can tell yourself, well, meditation works.
0: Millions of people know it. I'm trying to find my way of doing it that works with me. So, if, if people are finding themselves trying two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, and they're like, it's just so hard, I just don't get it. it. What you're saying is maybe you need to try another group. Maybe you need to try a different app. Maybe you need to try a different approach because you will. I, I always tell people, it might be hard at first, but I promise you, you will find your groove. You will. And I think the other side of
1: it that I very much believe in is, and I know because I've meditated for years. If you're not grounded, you're not going to get anything out of it. You're just not. You, because you have to be grounded for your mind to be open to the benefits of meditation. That is just how it goes. And so if people are trying all these things and they in no matter what they do it's not working, maybe you need to work on the concept of grounding. That's an interesting first. point. It's
0: and an interesting then point.
1: Go from there. And have to go to a person necessarily but maybe you need to go on youtube on the zen room where they have a grounding podcast where you can hey it's free i always tell people it's
0: free what do you uh, learn how to ground and
1: (laughs) if you learn how to ground and you listen to that over and over again you learn how to ground then learn how to ground and then take that to the the meditation you're trying to do and you'll
0: probably get a lot of benefit from it right So now here's a question. Now that you are a regular avid, quote unquote, pretty religious meditator, let me ask you this. Do you feel as though there's certain people that you can and can't share with that that you're a pretty avid meditator? No, I think at first
1: I was concerned about it. I come from a very conservative background and they have a very... Um, specific way of connecting to, um, you know, the religious side of things. And so I think at first I was concerned about it, but then I said, no, this is just, this is so much of who I am. And this is so much of why I've changed and become a better person that it's why not? I need to share that.
0: And so, so when you mm-hmm. say conservative, that, that encapsulates, you would consider yourself a very, uh, a woman led by faith, very religious woman. Yes.
1: And I grew up and, in a very yeah. religious conservative family.
0: Mm-hmm. So at first there might've been a little bit of, I don't know if this matches. I don't know. How, how does this all fit? Right. But how right. did you, how did you move out of that space and into the space where you are now? Well, I had to realize that the whole
1: religious side of having, you know, a source or a God and meditating and understanding intuition and, um, connecting to, you know, source or what we call a crown chakra, which is, you know, more spiritual is the same. And it's just a different way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, started to tell people who I thought needed it. Like, and if you ever thought about meditating, man, it's helped me and X, Y, Z. And, you know, and they were, a lot of them had thought about meditation yeah. or a lot of them had the app on their phone and it's not this thing that they've never heard of. And so a right. lot of people ended up trying it, or maybe we, we did a one-on-one whether it was through the phone or at my house and they found a lot of benefit from it. And then they want to do it again, because when you, have that moment of meditation where you get a lot of value from it, it becomes something you want more of. Because, of course. And so that's what would happen is then they would want more. And for one of my friends, we trade services. She teaches me piano. I teach her how to meditate, you know. Right. But at the same time, what I've also found is some of my friends or family that are really, really, really ungrounded, that really, really, really need meditation don't want it. Yeah. They don't want it. They think it's odd, they think it's weird and they don't even want to try it. Right. And so they need a much slower roll, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. working on it, working on it and once they finally do they get a really intense session and they almost have to think about it for a couple of weeks like, "Whoa, what just happened?"
0: Yeah, for sure. And how do I get more of it? Yeah. So <laughs> it just happened, and I feel you know, amazing. <laughs> right. So well, I think it, yeah, it's 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 important for people. And I say this to everybody, you know, for whatever reason, and and this isn't with everyone who's religious, but for some people who are religious, they almost feel as though meditation is in conflict with their religion. And I am here to tell everybody, um, meditation is a is a stress relieving exercise. It is to help your body get into a place that that parasympathetic where the parasympathetic nervous system relaxes so that the body can do what it already knows what to do, which is how to heal itself. Right. The old the old saying is the doctor will put the cast on, but the body is the thing that does the healing. Right. So if, if we can say, I, I promise everybody, I am not here to Pit this against religion, and what happens is everybody who is religious, and I've got, I've got, I've got Catholics, I've got Christians, I've got Church of Latter Day Saints. I mean, I have got a a wide range of religious people who are clients of mine, and they all say the same thing. They say, Don, if there was any nervousness that I had about this conflicting with my religion, the opposite is true. It has actually really enhanced my faith, and I say that's perfect. Right. Would you, would you say that that was your experience?
1: Absolutely. And the other thing that I would say, um, and I quote my husband on this, I finally got him to go to the Zen room for a like group session. And he had an experience there where afterwards he said, you know, I don't know what happened, but I just know it did happen. And what I'm humble enough to say is that God is the master scientist and us as humans are just figuring out what he's doing.
0: And Trying so, to figure out the formula.
1: Trying to reverse yeah. it. <laughs> And so, and so what our schema is of religion or what God is, is, is yes, it is inspired, but it sometimes can be within the confines of a human understanding. And if we understand there's more to it and that we are learning beings that, that it, it, it has a much wider breadth and it has even a different way of thinking of things. And the other thing that I would say that's different between the concept of religion versus meditating is I think that at least in my religion, it's like you say a prayer and you might get an answer. You might not, you know, yes or no, trying to figure out what God is telling you. And with, with uh, meditation, what you encouraged on which is so important is to have a relationship with your intuition and learn how to communicate with your intuition and i tell you when i talk to my religion my intuition i always get an answer yeah and i always get a clear communication and there's no confusion there's no frustration and that's where i think that some of the elements that you teach with meditation can really help us religious folks connect with
0: God more. Well, I always say praying is talking and meditating is listening. You're exactly right. So yeah. we, can, we can, you know, people will say, hey, I've got a prayer. I've got a prayer. I've got a prayer. But the prayer is the talking. And I say, okay, but where's the quiet space to sit and listen for the answer? And they're like, oh, we don't do that part. I said, could you imagine being on a phone call where you were the only one talking?
1: Exactly. And I remember before I got into meditation, I was really trying to figure out, to move to. And it wasn't that I just knew, well, I want weather and I want healthy people and I want work-life balance. That isn't really the first experience I had is that I went to our religious temple and prayed and I had to learn, but, and I got nothing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got nothing. And it was because I had the impression of, you have to learn how I communicate with you and how I answer your prayers. And so I had to go on a journey of figuring out how I was communicated to. And one of them was through a visual sense. And so I went back to that temple and said a prayer and I saw a bunch of wine grapes. And that's how I immediately knew that we needed to move to kind of the more northern part of California. Oh, you gotcha. the wine country area, the wine country area. And so I think it's kind of the same with meditation, like learn how your intuition communicates with you. So like you said, John not only can you speak, but you can listen.
0: Yep. In, in fact, in fact, what kind of conversation are you having is talking, right? So that seems to really hit home with a lot of people, uh, who, and then there's a lot of people who are not religious yep. and they come in and they're very spiritual yep. and the meditation is the same. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm always, I'm here saying, I am not here to tell you what to believe, what to think. I'm here to help you get quiet. I'm here to help you learn how to interpret maybe information that you're getting and how to help you and de-stress. I mean, that is a, that is a big deal. Think of all of the complications that people have, all the illnesses that people have. Now I'm kind of crossing over into the doctor side of things. How many stress-related illnesses are there? A gajillion. Well, there are tons.
1: And if you look at what I do, I don't know, people probably don't know this, but I have people who say, Dr. Taylor, I can't hear. I have a hearing loss. And I do a hearing test and they have normal hearing. Everything is normal. And one of the reasons of why people who think they have a hearing loss, but they don't, is because they're stressed out. And it's because their mind is so concentrated on other things that they are not hearing what's right in front of them.
0: So if I hear you correctly... There's so much inner chatter in mm-hmm. their head. So much of that, the monkey mind, people say. The monkey mind is so loud in their head that they actu- it's actually affecting their hearing. Not their
1: ear, but their brain, their ability to process sound. Yeah. So they can
0: act- their ears are working, but their brain can't process it. Exactly. And that happens a lot.
1: And wow. And you can even get ringing in your ears called tinnitus because of stress, or your jaw can lock up called TMJ because of stress, or you can be stressed out and be off balance. You can't walk straight. You fall into things and it's because you're stressed out. And like anything else, stress can make anything worse. So if you have ringing in your ears because you're hearing loss, it can, you can make it a hundred times worse when you're stressed out. Or if you have a balance problem and you're focused on it and you're stressed about it, you can make it a hundred times worse because you're stressed out. And even on my balance test that I do, there's, if you're stressed out, you get a totally different recording than if you're calm. And so it's interesting, Don, that I tell people who have tinnitus or ringing in their ears, learn how to meditate because that's going to help you. I tell right. people, here are the reasons why you can feel like you have a hearing loss when you have normal hearing. And almost all of them will admit that they're stressed out if they're stressed out. And I say, learn how to meditate. Learn how to de-stress and meditation will help anyone who's stressed out. And people who have a balance test with me, I always tell them, this is a test that you might get stressed out with. And if you feel stressed, I want you to pretend like you're where you'd rather be and tell yourself what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, what what you hear. And what I'm right. really telling them to do is to meditate. And you're telling
0: them, imagine yourself on a beach and you can right. feel the sand. <laughs>
1: and I'm telling you, Don, 100% of those people who do it, they have a much better experience with that
0: test. And it's because I've taught them how to meditate, really. So now we are getting into... Um... How, okay, so uh, I, I put a little thing on Instagram and um, in order for anybody to help another person through a problem, they have to first have the problem themselves and transform from within. So basically, you are a perfect example of that. You've had the stress that was creating, the anxiety that was creating, this stress-related you know, related problem. And you learned how to deal with it. And now we've crossed a threshold where now you are sharing what you've learned with others.
1: Right. And I think the other thing that I'm good at doing is explaining meditation in a way that people can connect with. And I think the other thing is, is that, that you teach Dawn is kind of like your mind has these different sides to it. It has your intuition. It has your ego. It has your inner child. It has your inner critic. And it's helped me separate my thoughts. Like, is this thought coming from my inner child, my ego, or what? And I've learned to not even, just to ignore it, if it comes from anything but my intuition. It's like, it just doesn't exist. It just, like, it disappears. Like, it's almost like a physical disappearance of a thought. And it's yeah, because the air I've critic learned.
0: doesn't get a vote.
1: <laughs> right. And you know what's also interesting, Don, is you do a session with people where you learn what your intuition looks like. And what it looks like. But my ego, my inner child, my inner critic t- doesn't have any visual manifestation for me. And it's because right. for me, because I meditated today on why that is. I was wondering, why don't why don't why doesn't my ego have a look to it? And it's right. because for me, if it did, it would give it power. Oh, interesting. And so it doesn't even exist. It's almost just a word. But for people who are trying to figure out meditation and is it for them like these things everyone understands that they exist this concept of ego this concept of intuition this concept or of your gut feeling you know it all exists just meditation helps you separate it and kind of figure out what's going on in your mind and then it helps you utilize the resources that you should be utilizing instead of listening to things you shouldn't
0: Well, and you know what's interesting? So the, 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 the course that you're referring to just for all the people who are listening is called, I teach a tapping into your intuition class. And for anybody who's in the Bay area, the class is available in person, but I've had so many people reach out and say, I don't live in California, but I really want to take the class. There is actually an online version of my tapping into your intuition class that you can find on the zenroom.net. And it really helps you to understand, Okay. We all have an inner child. It's the one that sometimes is a little bit fearful or maybe it's the one that wants to play too much. Uh, we all have an inner critic that tells us our ears are too big, our, our thighs are too big, our hair's too thin, or whatever. And then we all have an ego and the ego is dying to survive. Like it is, it will do anything to be right. It will be anything to say, I told you so. And it will do anything to survive. We all have those aspects of us. All we have to do is go into any dressing room in any department store and try on some clothes. And one of those three are going to pop up. If you like the way you look, you might hear your ego go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and if you don't like the way you look, here comes the inner critic, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Those
0: three are very loud. And so in the class, and what you're referring to is that intuitive voice, that voice that's connected to something bigger, that the voice that is caring about love and and um win-win situations and what's the best you know what's for my best and highest good it doesn't care about money it doesn't care about um outward appearances it's a very love centered thing and so many of us in certain cultures we we learn to rely on our ego or our inner child or our inner critic to survive that when you start to learn that there's a whole other aspect of you that is connected to something bigger than you, the answers are so clear and the answers are much healthier.
1: Well, and so, the realization that anything other than your intuition is not helping you, it's not making you mm-hmm. successful. It's
0: actually making you get in uh, your way. Get, mm-hmm. It gets in your way. Yeah without a doubt. So you have been on this meditation energy work road for quite a while. Um, I have a lot of women come to me and they say, my my husband thinks I'm nuts. What would you say to a woman who is starting to really find value in this, but her husband thinks she's nuts? (laughs) Keep
1: doing it and not in a way where you tell your husband, look about this, you know, Like I love meditation and you should do it too. That doesn't work. The way to get people to meditate is for them to see a change in you. And that's how I got, that's why my husband came. Not because I tried to get him to go. Although I did try, I changed, I changed and he saw a positive change in me and he started to tell his patients to go meditate at the Zen room <laughs> and he told all these people for years, meditate some you need to, you need to meditate, and you need to meditate, and you need to meditate and you know gave people your card, and eventually, I got him to go, and he had a great experience, but then i don 't know, nothing happened, and then he kept telling me all these people meditation, and I of course would tell my husband how my meditative classes went. This is what we did. I had a cool meditation. this is what happened, you know. So he knew the experiences. He saw me change. Then one day we were at dinner and we were talking about, I don't know what, probably that he told people to meditate at the Zen room. And he just had this moment where he stops and he goes, wait, I tell all these people to meditate, but I don't meditate. Right. Why don't I do? I need to do that. (laughs) Here, let's. Contact on and let's set up a meditation. And like right then and there, we were in the middle of a restaurant. I got out my phone and I
0: texted you right away. You're <laughs> like, I am not letting this opportunity pass me by. Exactly.
1: And so for me, though, it had nothing to do with trying to force something on him. It Had to do with me changing and him seeing the change and wanting that change.
0: You know what? And in all honesty, I always say people are watching us all the time, whether we realize it or not. They're watching you if you're having a bad day and how you handle having a bad day. And they're watching you if you have a bad day and how you handle a bad day if you're handling it well versus if you handle it poorly. We are being watched constantly. So if somebody is used to seeing somebody one way and then all of a sudden they see a transformation start to happen, they're just not maybe as quick to judge, or they're not as anxious as they used to be, or they're sleeping like a log, or all of a sudden they're looking at things from a whole different perspective, they will see a change. And I say, you are influencing people through, through how you are transitioning. And that is louder than you can possibly imagine.
1: Well, it's louder than words, you know, actions speak louder than words. And that's exactly how I got my husband
0: to start to meditate. Yes. And now he's a regular. Which is, is great, you know. You know, it it, it it provides more, you know, clarity for him and it helps de stress him. I mean, you can't be an emergency room doctor and not have that back up on you. That is an intense amount of stress.
1: Well, and the thing is though, thousands of these emergency room physicians don't meditate. And so I know. Ian, my husband, is able to be
0: an influencer for them. Great. I like it if somebody were listening to this and said all right sherry so you can tell me that you've definitely helped your anxiety it has definitely impacted your ability to start to visualize your future differently you're calmer um it hasn't interfered with your religion and it's definitely helping you with your patience because now you can you know help them through stressful tests. Because I I tell you, who who wants to go to the doctor and be stressed out and have all these stressful tests done? It's it's a burden. So the fact that you can actually make your patient's experience more pleasant is huge. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's huge. So um, we've covered uh, quite a few little different areas. What would you say in your heart of hearts if somebody would have told you 10 years ago that meditation was going to get you from point A to point B, that you wouldn't have believed them. What is the biggest shift that you've had as a result of meditation energy, the whole nine yards? Okay. I would say
1: two things. I don't think I can pick one. Um, Number one is being more grounded and therefore having much more, more clarity and, and having a clear direction of where I want my life to go. Yep. And number two is hands down being able to connect
0: to those who have passed on. Got it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you, when you find yourself just maybe more connected, do you just feel like, okay, you dream of them more. You just feel like they're not so far away. You just feel more like you're cared for. How would you describe that? Well,
1: for me, I feel like they're not so far away. And I feel like I, that they, I can like, listen to them. Like they have messages for me to, to listen to.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, for anybody listening, and at this point now, there they might they're, you might have just gotten your first eye roll. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm on My one million. I, I'm on my one millionth eye roll. You'll survive. Um, how does that show up for you? I mean, do you just feel like okay? Um, I I miss my mom, and she's been gone for a while, and I just very clearly feel that she's trying to guide me in this direction. Is it that sort of thing? You know.
1: Okay. So I think for me one thing I would preface is that everyone's going to experience things differently. And that's something you talk about in meditation all the time. Before you start a meditation for beginners, you say, imagine yourself on a beach and then you take us through something. And then at the end you say, raise your hand. If you felt something, raise your hand. If you smelled something, raise your hand. If you heard something, raise your hand. If you saw something. And you say, everyone experiences meditation differently. And it depends on, you know, what you are, you know, and how you are. And, so when it comes to connecting to those who have passed on, like for me, I would hear a song and it would kind of remind me of someone, you know, at first who, one of my loved ones who have passed on. And then mm-hmm. I could kind of, you know, I felt like they were near me. And yes, um, sometimes I thought like that brings had... with it a feeling of comfort yeah, right? and, or and not. It was never scary. It was a feeling of love and I felt like they had you know, they might've had something to say. Or or at first I felt like they were just there. And then later on, sometimes I felt like they had something to say and I could understand it. I just kind of could understand it. It wasn't something I saw. It's something, not something I heard. It was something I knew. It was like a thought in my mind and I knew it came from them.
0: So, you know, what's really interesting. I was, um, was out to dinner with a group of friends I don't know it must have been about a year ago and we were sitting there having dinner and somebody had brought this up they're like gosh I just feel as though after practicing meditation for a very long time I just feel as though there's a stronger connection between us and another world and I I, and I got what she meant it was sort of like what you just got finished saying and there was a gentleman at the table who said that is crazy. I mean, and it was, it was all in, in, I mean, it was fine. Um, But it was literally like, that sounds crazy. Like you, that sounds crazy. Right. Felt known dreamt of somebody after they died. And I was asking that question specifically to this gentleman who was calling this other person at the table crazy and he, and he said, well, one time. And I said, what happened? And he goes, well, I wasn't sure if I was drunk. I wasn't sure if I was sleeping. But there was this one time when I saw my grandfather in the hallway. And I said, oh, well, what was he? What had he passed on? And he goes, well, what was sort of weird was that I found out he died that night. I said, oh, so you had a moment where you were very much connected to this other And he says, yeah, but it only happened once. And I'm not even sure if I trusted it. And I said, well, the coincidence, the fact that you had seen it and that it had happened at the same time, I said, so it has happened to you. And then it was funny because we went around the table. Everybody had one of those stories. Next thing you know, she, you know, there was another woman around the table who was saying, oh, well, you know what? There was this one really strange time. I don't know. I just got this really strong feeling that I needed to call my grandmother. And it turned out when I called her, she was being, you know, whatever, you know, resuscitated or they were trying to resuscitate her. And it turns out that she passed. Everybody had one of those stories. Right, and I, I think said, a lot of people do. Oh, oh I, I guarantee you that 90% of the people either will ha- will be able to raise their hand and say, yeah, something like that weird thing happened to me, or they will know someone who it has happened too. And what I say is, if it happens once, accidentally, or out of the blue, or kind of like a lightning strike, if it happens once, why can't you get into a position where it happens more frequently?
1: Right, and... I think the other side of people is this. I think that there is a feeling that all of us have when we know when something's there or when something's true. Like there's a feeling that you have, and it's it's a thing. And I think that that concept of oh, I'm drunk or this or that, like that's that's just something trying to distract you. Sure, for sure. And if you can. I, or, I play it lot, off,
0: or play it off. Play it off. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: And that's when you go back to, well, think of experiences when you had that feeling like this is the right thing to do. Maybe this is the right person to date. This is the right restaurant to go to tonight yes. or whatever. Yeah. Or this is the right school to go to. We've all had that experience, that feeling. And then a lot of times when we've connected with someone who has passed on, that feeling is there. Like Yes. And you'll know. And so...
0: I don't think the hairs, it's just... the hairs go at the back of the neck, or you get right. chills, or you just get and, some sort of sense. Yeah.
1: And so you know those feelings are the same, and so uh, that's where you just need to understand that you know that that exists, and um, there have just been so many people that have had those experiences that it can't not be a yep. thing.
0: Well, and you know, too. Like I say, I, I, you know, if if we're at a, a dinner party and all ten of us have had it once, where maybe one of us, being me, has it like a lot. <laughs> you know, the only difference is is that I'm practiced at it and I'm more connected to it, so it just happens more frequently. But if it can happen to you once, it can happen to you a hundred times.
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And you know, I think that that can be applied to a lot of things like if you do something and you do it a lot you'll end up being you know uh, good at it you know if you do it
0: right and
1: now if the sherry that
0: i'm talking to on the phone right now if i had you go back in time to the sherry 10 years ago and told that sherry what she had coming down the pike what would that sherry have said
1: you know i coming from a religious background I know my father had had a couple experiences Mm. with people who had passed on, but I thought he was special. He was like, you're just a lucky one. You're just someone who you're just one of the lucky ones. You know, some people are athletic. Some people are naturally skinny, naturally gifted. You're just a lucky one. And so I would have thought 10 years ago, that's just not me. It wasn't the gift that I was given. I was given other gifts and that's not my gift. And what I learned is that everyone has that ability. you just have to be tap, still tap it out and yeah. um, experience it and be okay with experiencing it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it's funny because we've all had dreams, right? We have, oh, I dreamed of my father after he passed. I've dreamed of my mother after she passed. I've dreamed of my grandma. My grandmother's come to my dreams and given me a little information. We've all had those at at least once in our life. I, I think for the most part, maybe not everybody, but, um, yeah, that's one of the other benefits of meditation is, is that it allows you to, again, get very calm, very quiet, get very still, get very grounded. And in that stillness, in that quiet, you have made space for information. You've made space for answers. You've made space for guidance. You've made space from wherever it comes from. And some people listening to this may be like, Hey, that wasn't your grandma. That was God. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue with that, but if the guidance is good. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So as we are wrapping up towards our hour here, Sherry, first of all, um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time um, as a doctor and as a religious person and as somebody who's been on this transformational journey for a while to give some insight to people who are maybe curious themselves. Is there anything else you want our listening audience to know or any advice that you would give them?
1: Um. You know, for me, I've done a lot of things. I'm one of those people who likes to try things and I have a lot of hobbies and I can do a lot of things and, you know, I can quilt and I can cook and I can, I can, you know, do yoga Mm -hmm, and mm learning Pilates and learning the piano and I'm a violinist and all these things because I'm very interested in things and I always want to learn things and how things work and why things work. But if I were to pick like the one thing that I've done that is hands down the most transformative that has changed my life the most, it is meditation 100% by a long shot. And so if you're looking for a change in your life or, you know, that needs to be a positive change, you need to learn how to meditate because that is what's going to get you there Yep, with 100% likelihood of it happening. Yep. There's a 100% chance that it will get you there.
0: Well, and you know what? At the very least, if all you get is a more stress-free life, I think that is a great place to start too. I think sometimes when you, when, when people have great ideas of this, I'm going to meditate every day and everything is going to um, be worked out and I'm going to have it all figured out by August. And they have expectations on where they're supposed to be. Um. Then that 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 can be a pretty tall order, and then the expectation thing gets in the way. But if you can say, just kind of like what you were saying before, if you can just say, "I don't exactly know what it's all supposed to look like, but I know I need to, my life needs to improve." I agree with you one million percent, Sherry. That meditation is going to assist you leaps and bounds. Yeah, and
1: it's an, it's a process. I've been doing this for years. Don, you've been doing this way longer than I have. And it, it is a process. It's something I've had to learn. It's something I've had time to. But it's, it's changed my life in a way that I never expected. I mean, Yay. I thought I was going into a place where we were going to pretend like we were Buddhist monks and, you know, <laughs> learn how to, to think about nothing, you know? And yes. what I got was a very, very different thing, was learning how my mind works and how to approach life and how I to deal it. with situations. And it was... Quite different.
0: Well, I will tell you this. Um, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for going on the ride and allowing me to have a front row seat to your transformation. It has been a joy to watch. Well, and thank you for taking the leap to open the business to do it. Ooh, that was a big
1: leap. <laughs> you, you had a big leap, and because you did that, you've opened the door to change hundreds and hundreds of lives that are going on to change hundreds and hundreds of lives. You want
0: to talk about scary. That was scary. But intuitively as I was, as I was definitely swimming from one shore to another and I was halfway over the lake and I'm like, am I sure I'm doing the right thing? And intuitively I'm like, I just have to keep going. And I did it. And I, it was, it was a big shift in my life. And, uh, there's no way that I would go back now. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so beyond excited. Um, and thank you for reminding me why I do what I do. Yep. So, um, thank your, uh, your husband Ian for letting me bar you on this beautiful Thursday night. And thank you for your candidness. I know that, that, um, you're a very honest person and our listening audience appreciates it. And, uh, Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thanks. And uh, for all of you out there who are listening, thank you for all tuning in. I appreciate, as always, um, your support. And if you have any questions about future podcasts or any ideas for future podcasts, you know where to find me. But for now, may the force be with you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.